0: Here is the word of the Lord. So hear it from Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid as I lay in bed the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me so I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream then the magicians the enchanters the Chaldeans and the astrologers came in and I told them the dream but they could not make known to me its interpretation at last Daniel came in before me he who was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant. And in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it, and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, And his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit (coughs) abundant. And in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of heaven lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, To you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Let's pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For somebody who doesn't own a TV and hasn't for a long time, I probably shouldn't talk about TV shows because I don't know much about them, but I have heard of something called, and I've actually seen some shows, called Reality TV. And Reality TV, we, we know it isn't reality, but it's, It's pretending to be reality. It's people doing things in a setting and the cameras are just following them around and they're acting as if they don't know the cameras are there. But then sometimes they'll break out of that fictitious reality and they will interview the participants, the the normal people doing their, their normal things, whatever those might be. And so they break out of their reality and then they address the audience. That's not a, a new technique. I just out for my amusement and at the recommendation of actually Derek, I've been reading of some ancient Greek comedies. And they're actually quite funny. But one of the funny things about them is that the play is going on. And then the chorus, the chorus which breaks in and sings. Somebody from the chorus steps forward and addresses the audience and says to the audience, audience. You better vote for this play because apparently the plays, they were voted on afterwards and awards were given for the best play. So the play is going on. And then somebody from the chorus breaks out and says, you audience better vote for this play. Because if you don't, some bad things will happen to you. And if you do, some good things will happen to you. And then they go back into the play. And so it's this sort of strange stepping out of the action and addressing the audience. But that's what we have here as well. That's what's going on here. There has been a a primary actor in this this history up until this point. He's Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of the Babylonian Empire. But what we have here in chapter 4 is Nebuchadnezzar grabs the mic, and Nebuchadnezzar starts addressing the, the audience, and we are that audience. And so we've been watching Nebuchadnezzar, and now we get to hear Nebuchadnezzar step forward and address us in First person. Now the structure of this—it's actually a, a typically Hebrew way of of doing poetry or telling history. The structure is is, uh, is a b b a. So the first theme is praise, and the last theme is praise. So that's the a and the a. And then there is the dream revealed and interpreted, and then there's the dream fulfilled. So we have praise, dream, dream praise. It sort of goes in in one direction and backs out the other direction. And especially in the praise part, that's where we really hear Nebuchadnezzar speaking. And in the middle, the narrator kind of grabs the mic back, as it were, and begins to tell some of the action that's going on. But we get to hear Nebuchadnezzar speaking in the first and in the last part. And in this, basically what we have is something like his final testimony. Neither in in Daniel or in other ancient history do we have anything after this in terms of Nebuchadnezzar. The, the history is pretty sketchy at this point, and so this is this is the history that we have for Nebuchadnezzar's end because this was towards the end of his life and towards the end of his kingdom. Now here he addresses, he grabs the mic as it were, and he addresses all peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. And so the the superpowers of that day, they supposed that they were the, the lords of the whole earth. Of course, they didn't know about how far the earth went, but they imagined themselves to be lord of the whole earth. And so this is the third time that we hear Nebuchadnezzar addressing all the peoples, nations, and languages. The first time He addressed all people's nations and languages is back in chapter three, verse four, where he tells all of them to bow down to his golden statue. And then in chapter three, verse twenty nine, he does it again when Daniel, uh, I'm sorry, when the three men have been rescued from the fiery furnace then he addresses all peoples, nations, and languages a second time and says, don't dare say anything bad about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he, he institutes a, a blasphemy law and protects the worship of the God of the Jews. Now, in this chapter, he goes way beyond that. He goes way beyond legalizing the worship of the true God. He, he actually commends the worship of the true God. He praises the, the true God and worships him himself. He wants to show forth God's mighty works. And that's what he says. Verse one, peace be multiplied to you. And then he says, it seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most high has done for me. And then he breaks into praise. How great are his signs? How mighty his wonders? His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Now, this is the this is the emperor. This is the king of the whole earth, as it was imagined. And here this, this supposed king of the whole earth, whom is he praising? He is praising the king of the whole earth. And this, this king, this king to whom his, his, uh, his subjects would come and say, Oh, king, do what? King, live forever. That's how they addressed him. What is he saying here? He's saying his kingdom, the most High's kingdom, is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generations. He recognized his kingdom, the eternal nature thereof. And then he tells us how he got to that point. How did he get to this point from opposing the God of the Jews, to legalizing the worship of the true God, to promoting and praising the true God? Well, he tells the story toward the end of his life. And here's where the, the action picks up with the dream that was given and interpreted. At the end of his life, or toward the end of his life, Nebuchadnezzar, as it says in verse 4, was enjoying peace and prosperity. Uh, that came from two things, his military conquests, and he was very successful at military conquests, and his building programs. He was quite the builder, quite the architect, the constructor. And he, other, we know this from other accounts from ancient, the ancient world. He was an amazing promoter of building projects, and there were some amazing The Hanging Gardens were famous and so on. A number of amazing things that he had done in Babylon. And he was enjoying the prosperity and peace of his time. However, once again, for a second time, he had a dream. And this dream, once again, made him afraid. You remember the first dream? The first dream in chapter 2 was of the statue with the gold head, the, uh, the silver chest, the... Bronze torso, the iron legs, the feet of clay, and iron mixed together. But now he has another dream. And he's peaceful, but now he has this dream it makes him afraid. And so what does he do? He calls all the wise men. The magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers. And he told them the dream this time. Do you remember last time he said, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You tell me the dream. And then, I'll tell, uh, and then you give me the interpretation. But this time he gives them, he gives them a heads up. He makes it easier on them and he tells them the dream but this time they couldn't or maybe wouldn't interpret it because they may have suspected even as he suspected that this dream was not going to go down well for Nebuchadnezzar you ever heard the expression shoot the messenger well they didn't want to give him bad news even if they were sort of figuring out what this was about They said, well, king, that's beyond us. We we can't do that. And so, for the second time, who comes in? Daniel. And it refers to him by his Babylonian name. Look at verse 8. Who was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God. Now, we had already mentioned this, but here it's very explicit. This was part of that indoctrination campaign. Erase the identity of Daniel and give him a pagan name, give him a name that has to do with Bel, has to do with Marduk, the god of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, Nebuchadnezzar recognized that he had, in his words, the spirit of the holy gods. The spirit of the holy gods. And so he tells him the dream. And here we have the elements of the dream. Not a statue this time, a tree. So we have a massive tree. And this massive tree covers the whole earth. It feeds the whole earth. It gives protection to the whole earth. So everything is fine. The whole earth is peaceful and well-fed because of this gigantic tree. But then there is a messenger from heaven called a watcher, a watcher from heaven. And this watcher comes and announces that the tree would be chopped down, that it would be stripped, and that its stump would be bound In the ground and then in verse 15, it kind of breaks off there's a transition from a tree to a man look at verse 15 But leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field Let him be wet with the dew of heaven Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's Did you see that that switched from a tree and now it's talking about a man and it's talking about a man whose mind will be changed and he will be given a beast's mind and he will live like a beast for seven periods of time. Now, the seven periods of time are not explained. Are they seven days? Are they seven weeks? Are they seven months? Are they seven seasons? Are they seven years? And the answer is, we don't know. We don't know how long this lasted. But it was a, a period of seven Periods of time. And the purpose of the dream is very specific. Verse 17. This sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. So that's the dream. That's the purpose of the dream. And then Daniel was dismayed in verse 19. And it's interesting that he's dismayed. And he doesn't want to tell the king the meaning of the dream either. And this looks like by this time, we're talking about decades later since chapter 1, it looks like that there was some affection between Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. Because he's troubled about the dream, because he knows that the dream is negative towards Nebuchadnezzar, and he'd really rather not that that be the case. And the king sensed his reluctance to tell him the dream. And in verse 19, he says, "Let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you." And then Belteshazzar, Daniel, says, "My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and the interpretation." for your enemies. This is not good, and I wish it didn't apply to you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. I wish it applied to your enemies. But then, faithfully, he tells what the dream is about. And as the king probably suspected, and as the other magicians and interpreters probably suspected, the the dream was about whom? It was about Nebuchadnezzar. That was kind of an obvious one. Probably we could have figured that out as well, couldn't we? That this this is about... Nebuchadnezzar, and indeed it was. The dream referred to him. He had grown up. He had covered the the nations of the earth, and he was supplying their needs and, and giving them protection. Up to that, so far, so good. But then there's the announcement about the chopping down of the tree and the stripping of the tree, and the interpretation is that the king would be removed from his place. Verse 23, Because the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze. And it looks like the the iron and bronze are actually to preserve it, to keep the to keep the roots from being ripped up, to keep the stump from being dug out, leaving it there and binding it there so that it, it doesn't move. And then. The interpretation is that Nebuchadnezzar would be driven from humanity and he would be driven from humanity physically, but also in his mind. He would he would have a a mental illness in which he he thought himself to be an ox. He thought himself to be a beast and he would live like a beast for seven periods of time. And that's the interpretation. But but there's a stump, he says, and so. The the stump is left, verse 26, and it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be confirmed. It will still be there waiting for you. But when? From the time that you know that heaven rules. This is the first use of this, this expression of heaven. Instead of saying God, you find this in the New Testament a great deal. In Matthew, it talks about the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of God. And this is the first instance of that use of heaven to refer to God. But the kingdom will be there waiting for you. But you need to recognize that, that it's heaven, that it's God, that it's the most high whom you've gradually been recognizing. You need to recognize that, that he is the one who rules, not you. And then there's some friendly counsel there. And here you see the familiarity and even the affection. In verse 27, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. And it it may be that that actually happened. It may be that Nebuchadnezzar amended his ways for a while because the dream was not fulfilled until 12 months later. So it may be that he had a good spell. And if so, we understand that, don't we? We get a a warning, we learn a lesson, and we say, I'm really going to take this into account. And then we do, for a while. And maybe that's what happened here. We're kind of reading between the lines, but, but there was some delay here for 12 months, and at the end of 12 months, the dream was fulfilled. And there he was again, enjoying peace and prosperity. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, there is an earlier story about a king walking on the roof of the royal palace. King David. And what he saw also got him in trouble. And it may be that we're reminded of that here. But he's walking on the, royal, the roof of the royal palace. And the king answered. Interesting, he answered. What did he answer? He answered what he saw. And he boasted. And he said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, As a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty, I have built my mighty power, the glory of my majesty. He recognized himself as the source of all the glory. And he recognized himself as the purpose of all the glory that he beheld. And even as he was speaking, even as he was speaking, a voice came from heaven. And the voice said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, verse 31, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. And it's the third time that the purpose of this dream and its fulfillment is announced. Verse 17, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Then verse 25, Seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And then once again in verse 32, To know that the Most High rules the kingdoms, kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will no doubt about the purpose of this dream and its fulfillment. And so that's what happened. Verse 33, immediately the word was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar went insane. He was driven from among men. He ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. His hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. The king of this great empire, he was grazing in the field as an animal for seven periods of time. And now it goes back to first person. This is the last section. First person. Once again, Nebuchadnezzar grabs the mic and he tells us the rest of the story. He says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever he was able to look up from the grass that he was munching and he was able to look up to heaven and when he looked from the grass to heaven his sanity was restored because what was he doing he was getting the lesson what was the lesson the most high rules and he gives the kingdom to whomever he wants, even to the lowliest of men even to the man who is grazing like an ox he can give an, even that man he can give him the kingdom he can take it away he can give it back and then he broke out into praise once again and listen to the praise and by the way how does he rec- how does he identify himself here in verse 34 he says I Nebuchadnezzar he doesn't say I King Nebuchadnezzar he says I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and this Nebuchadnezzar he praised the one who lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So here, once again, he recognizes that 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 expression that had been told to him all of his life. "O oh, King, live forever. He realized that it wasn't true in his case, but it was true in the case of the Most High, the King who reigns forever. And no one, no one can ask him what he has done. No one can slap his hand for doing anything. It says, stay his hand. The idea is no one can slap his hand for for doing whatever he wants to do. He's not awed by humans. He exercises eternal rule. He does what he wants to with the inhabitants of the earth. This is an expression of the absolute sovereignty and dominion and rule of God over all the affairs of mankind. And so that's what he recognized. Finally, that he wasn't the sovereign, that God was the sovereign. And at that time, his reason returned to him. And notice what happened. Verse 36. My reason returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. The stump was still there, and still more greatness was added to me. More greatness was added to Nebuchadnezzar. His his latter days were better even than his glorious former days. But what does he say? How does he conclude? Verse 37, now I, not King Nebuchadnezzar, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the what? The king, the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And he says, believe me, I know from personal experience. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's testimony is a clear reminder to us. There's a lesson for us, isn't it? You see, Nebuchadnezzar was able to do all that he was able to do because the Lord enabled him to do that. And it wasn't just Nebuchadnezzar. None of us are likely to build anything as grand as he built. But whether it be large or small, whatever the accomplishment might be, the source of that accomplishment is always the most high. And no matter how how small the, the hill we build, no matter how small the project we develop, it's easy for us to take responsibility for it and say, haven't I built this this small molehill out of my own majesty and glory, my own strength, it's easy for us to do exactly the same thing on whatever scale we're allowed to accomplish. And it's a reminder that that the source of everything we do is the most high. Really, the source of everything we do. And you you can take this back. You can do this exercise in your mind. Well, I'm able to do this because I'm intelligent. Excuse me, where'd you get that? I'm able to do this because I'm healthy. Excuse me just a moment. Where did you get that? I'm able to do this because because I have education. Congratulations, but where'd you get that? I'm able to do this because I'm strong. I'm able to do this because I'm young. I'm able to do this, whatever it might be. And just push it back. Where'd you get that? Where did it come from? And then the other side of that equation is for what? What's the purpose? Why do you have that? What's the purpose of all the accomplishments that God has enabled you to do? And here's where we can easily get tripped up. If we think it's our own power that's done it, it's easy to think that the purpose of it is our own glory. Our power, our glory, our strength, our honor. It makes sense. But if we take away the first, we realize that the second is wrong as well. If we realize that it's not our power, our doing, then we also realize that it's not for our glory. It's rather for the glory of the one who enabled us to do whatever it might be that the Lord has enabled us to do. We should also recall. And this is the kind of the the flip side of that. We also should recall this last line. He's able to humble those who walk in pride. He he will take it upon himself to to teach us the lesson. And and we we can learn it the easy way or we can learn it the hard way. We can learn humility by by understanding that that God is the one who gives us everything that we have. Paul asked it this way to the Corinthians who were very puffed up about their spiritual abilities and their gifts. He says, He says, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it as a gift, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Why do you boast as if it were your own? You see, we can we can learn the lesson the easy way by recognizing that all we have is from God. All we have is for his glory or we can learn it the hard way like Nebuchadnezzar did. And we can walk in pride, boasting of our power. For our own glory. And God is able to humble those who walk in pride. Now, when we come across kings in the Old Testament, we already mentioned David. When we come across kings, we, we find a, a, a huge theme in the Old Testament that runs through the Old Testament and prepares us for the New Testament. And we find in the New Testament that the, the fulfillment of kingship is King Jesus. And we might struggle a little bit to see how King Nebuchadnezzar prepares us for King Jesus. But I want you to notice something here. And that is that their paths are actually parallel. Because in both cases, they started from the heights. They went to the depths. And then they went up even higher after that. After they went to the depths. That's what Paul says about Jesus. He says, he who existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God something to be grasped onto, but he he emptied himself, he humbled himself by becoming a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God hyper-exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Starting high, going to the lowest depths, in Nebuchadnezzar's case, eating grass, in Jesus' case, the the death on the cross and being buried for three days. But therefore, God exalted once again to an even higher place, Nebuchadnezzar, in his kingdom. And God hyper-exalted, as the text says, Jesus, to the highest place, King of kings and Lord of lords, so that every knee will bow, every tongue confess, even Nebuchadnezzar's, that Jesus Christ is Lord. But there's a big difference between these two as well. Nebuchadnezzar's descent was involuntary, and it was because of his pride, whereas Jesus' descent was voluntary, and it was an expression of his humility. And there's another big difference as well. Nebuchadnezzar and the, the, the emperors of the age, they presumed to be lords of the whole world. But Jesus really is. He really is the king of the whole world and king of the whole universe. And more and more so as he builds his kingdom by adding people like you and like me as subjects of his kingdom, receiving us into his kingdom through faith in him. Let's pray. Our God, we praise, exalt, and honor the King of Heaven. And Now we know the King of Heaven's name. It is Jesus. You have revealed yourself to us as Jesus, and you have made him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we pray that we would understand who he is and understand who we are and understand that all we have is a gift from you. All that we accomplish is for your glory. And I pray that we would constantly be able to remember that so that we might not be guilty of walking in pride and be subject to this kind of humiliation that you have for those who walk in pride. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that you might hyper-exalt him to the very, very highest place. And we praise, exalt, and honor King Jesus. Amen.